2: in this country without regard to party politics. And now here's Michael Cargill.
3: Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so this hour we're going to talk about there's some breaking news coming out of uh, Uvalde. Investigative report on Uvalde's shooting is being released. And so we're going to go straight to that news conference when it comes up. Also, I want to talk about the Clinton Assault Weapons Ban. That's right. That's the Federal Assault Weapons Ban that happened in 1994 that expired in 2004. We're going to talk about that. Also, exactly what happened to the assault weapons ban and what actually did it ban. And we're going to break that stuff down and see what this current Congress does about that. Also, I want to talk about current events going around the country. I want to talk about uh, Academy Sports. Want to talk about Miami. We're going to dip down in Miami, and I'm also going to play for you a 911 call. Man, you got to listen to this nail-biting stuff that was going on there. Also, NASCAR. What's going on with NASCAR? We're going to go to Florida. Talk about Florida. And we're going to go to Philly. The, you know, the city of brotherly love. We're going to talk about Philly, Philly there. And then we're going to wrap it up. With Yuvaldi again, but we are going to go to that press conference when it pops up in Uvalde. The investigative report is being released, but breaking news, let me tell you. We already knew, <laughs> we already know, you know, that uh, the police response was bad. We already know they were a bunch of cowards uh, and they didn't fend- defend those little babies. But we're going to go to that press conference anyway and see if there's any new information that we possibly couldn't figure out for ourselves. Uh, also, I want to talk about gun store etiquette. What to do, what not to do when you walk into the gun store. Let me tell you, you know, a lot of people buy guns all around the country. You have a lot of different websites you can purchase firearms from. Uh, you can buy it from Gun Trader. You buy it from Texas, you know, just a lot of different websites. You can get it, you know, another gun store. And then that firearm has to ship to a gun store close to you. Well, then we call that a FFL, a Federal Firearms License Transfer is what we call it. So you walk into the gun store. And you fill out the firearm transaction record. We do a background check on you if you don't have a license. If you have a license, your background check's already been done. And you can walk out with the guns as long as you pay that little transfer fee. And so, you know, here's what not to do. You're going to get an alert, like an email alert, that your UPS, your USPS, your FedEx package has, has arrived. It's shown up in the gun store. What you don't want to do is show up within 15 minutes, 20 minutes of that, you getting that email. Because the gun store has to process that information. Unfortunately, we have paperwork that we have to do because we have to adhere to the federal government. We have to adhere to the federal government. In some states, they listen to the state government. And in some other states, even the county government as to how things need to be done, all the paperwork in that particular gun store. So we have to type that information into a system. Uh, We need to to annotate the manufacturer, the make and model, the serial number, verify the serial number that's on the paperwork. It's the same serial number that's on the actual gun. We need to log all that stuff into a system and then also log in where it's coming from, put in the FFL information. There's a lot of front-end information. So that way, when you walk into the gun store, your transaction is done pretty briskly. You walk in, we have you fill out the paperwork, and you can walk out. Got an LTC, it happens even faster than that. And so what you don't want to do is show up to the gun store within 15, 20 minutes of that package arriving. Because like at Central Texas Gunworks, we get like 100 guns a day, literally. So there's some days we get two UPS trucks. We always get two FedEx trucks. We always get a U- UPS delivery. Sometimes a Lone Star overnight delivery. Sometimes there's a truck that shows up, backs up, and drops literally a pallet of guns or ammunition at our doorsteps. And we don't know what's showing up that particular day. But usually, at least 100 guns a day will show up. And so we have to process that information. If I have to stop my train, my employees are they, they're on the train tracks there. They're actually, you know, they're on the system and i let them go. They can get it done within three, four hours. We give you a call by three, four o'clock, maybe five, let you know you can come in and pick up your gun. But if someone, if you come in and like this young man that did this pre- previous week here, and I'm going to tell you exactly what his name is. His name is Taylor Kelly, Taylor Kelly. This young man lacks the ability to actually, I don't. I think he lacks the ability to even possess a firearm. He doesn't have the temperament to even have a gun. So Taylor Kelly decides to walk into the gun store within 15, 20 minutes of his gun being delivered and demanding that we do the you know we give him his gun. okay, I don't know what the hurry is. I don't know what the rush is, uh, Mr. Taylor Kelly, but we have we have a system, we have to follow that system, make sure everything's done right, so we don't make any mistakes because unlike Anyone else, I don't want to make a mistake where I'm I'm actually violating a federal law. You know, what a concept. Don't want to go to jail. I don't want to have to, you know, pick up the soap. You know what I'm saying? So we want to make sure we follow all the rules of the federal government, get everything done right. So that way we can make sure your transaction goes smoothly. Because I'm not going to risk you paying $20 or $25 for a transfer fee and me going to federal prison. What a concept. So Mr. Taylor Kelly is so excited. He wants his gun so bad we ain't like, look, sir, all you have to do is wait till about three o'clock. You're guaranteed to get a phone call and we will make sure you can get your gun that particular day. Well, he couldn't wait. So he is so pissed off. He goes out into the parking lot, writes three one star Google reviews, not one, not two, but three one star Google reviews in the parking lot of the gun store. You know, talk about how we lied to him. He couldn't get his gun. We were rude to him. We're like, look, dude, we got a system. Just chill out. Wait, we'll get your gun. But he couldn't wait. He was so excited. He needed his gun right away. He just couldn't wait. So then he goes and writes a Better Business Bureau uh, complaint. Well, guess what? Now, Mr. Taylor, you're not, only, you're not going to get your gun. And let me repeat that. Taylor Kelly is not getting his gun. Okay? Now I'm going to return his firearm to the sender. And then you know what? I'm going to hold on to it until I'm tired of holding on to it. You know why? Because I'm the federal firearms licensed dealer, and you can't make me give the gun up. So when I get tired of holding on to that gun, then I'll send it back to the, whoever it, re, it needs to be returned to, and then he can get his firearm. Now, let me explain something to you. Uh, this young man is so, like, <laughs> so demanding of getting his gun. Now, under my professional opinion, I don't believe Mr. Taylor Kelly should have a firearm. He is too, you know, just way too demanding on getting his gun. Where he couldn't wait until three o'clock in the afternoon, from twelve thirty to three thirty, he just could not wait. So tell that tells me maybe Mr. Taylor Kelly is trying to get his fire, you know, get his firearm for some malicious reason or something like that. So in my professional opinion, Mr. Taylor Kelly should not have access to a firearm. And I'm going to make sure I contact every gun store in the surrounding area to make sure they do not transfer a firearm to this young man, because I think he's a danger to himself and possibly a danger to the surrounding area of Austin, Texas. And I don't want someone like that getting access to a firearm. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk Peace, this is Maj Touré. You're listening to this Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill.
0: Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
4: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill.
3: As soon as that press conference is uh, live, we're going to go to Uvalde and, and hear what the report they have is going to be released Uh, according to the official systemic failures in uvalde school massacre report finds that check this out there are nearly i'm going to give you the key points to take away from this uh, what we're going to hear or expected to hear nearly 400 law enforcement officials rushed to a mass shooting in uvalde Um, And it was just a mass of systemic failures there, which created a chaotic scene that lasted more than an hour before the gunman who took 21 lives was finally confronted and killed. So the key takeaways are this. At Robb Elementary, law enforcement responders failed to adhere to their active shooting training, and they failed to prioritize saving innocent lives over their own safety, according to what the report says. The gunman fired approximately 142 rounds inside the building, and it is almost certain that at least 100 shots came before any officer entered, according to the report. Now, according to the report, 376, let me say that again, 376 law enforcement officers massed at the school. The overwhelming majority of those who responded were federal and state law enforcement. That included nearly 150 U.S. Border Patrol agents and 91 state officials. Um, The report noted that many of the hundreds of law enforcement responders who rushed to the school were better trained and equipped than the school district police. Which the head of the Texas Department of Public Safety, the state police force, previously faulted for not going into the room sooner. Now, it is a joke. They're a joke. They've got no business wearing a badge. None of them do, according to Vincent Salazar, grandfather of 11-year-old Layla Salazar, according to what he said uh, today. Arredondo also tried to find a key for the classrooms, but no one ever bothered to see if the doors were locked, according to the report. Arredondo's search for a key consumed his attention and wasted precious time. Delaying the breach of the classrooms. The report criticized as lackadaisical the approach of the hundreds of officers who surrounded the school and said that they should have recognized that Eridondo remaining in the school without reliable communication was inconsistent with him being the scene commander. The report concluded that some officers waited because they relied on bad information while others. Had enough information to know better. And just so you know, there's a Supreme Court ruling that says law enforcement have no duty to protect you, only general duty to enforce the law. So always keep that in mind. They don't have to come and save you. You know, a lot of times it's really up to you to save yourself. But we're talking elementary school kids, children, you know, we're talking little babies in elementary school. You have you have the rifles, you have the handguns, you have the ammunition, you have the protective gear. Uh, you know, my goodness! You know, little babies are being mowed down by AR-15 fire, and you couldn't go in there with a shield. You, you, you had the rifle, you had the handgun, you had the ammunition, you had the, you had the backup to go in and stop this guy, this one person, and you couldn't even make an attempt. That is very sad, very disappointing. Um, and 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 to this date, no one's being fired. That's the problem. That's what I don't like. No one's being fired from this job at all. And but then the response of the current administration in Washington, D.C. is that we should have some type of assault weapons ban. That's what he want to do. So let's talk about that. The Clinton assault weapons ban. You know, that's a federal assault weapons ban that was in 1994 that expired in 2004. So let me have my gun nerd, Matthew, tell us what that assault weapons ban was in 1994. Matthew.
6: So the way these assault weapons ban the way the assault weapons ban worked back in the day was it was certain accessories on a semi-automatic rifle that were defined to become assaulty, whatever that means. So you had um, well, I'm gonna bring out one of my personal builds. This is my own own standard semi auto rifle, not an assault weapon. AR fifteen custom job. Based on one of my favorite characters from a certain cell phone game that will be left unmentioned for the unless you know who so I'm you're talking holding,
3: about. So, what kind of rifle is that that you're holding?
6: It is a custom SOTMOD Block Two clone based on the M4 SOTMOD Block Two platform.
3: So, the Clinton Ban. So, for those that know what a okay, so you're holding a, a standard a, AR AR patterned yeah. after SOTMOD Block Two. Okay, we don't know what that is, and that's not in the dictionary, so let's go back to what the standard name is for that according to the firearms community. Armalite 15 platform. Thank you. So, what the Clinton
6: administration said was apparently an adjustable buttstock, like so, was somehow deadly because you could actually increase the concealability capability of it. A pistol grip allowed for better control over the firearm, therefore you could keep more rounds on target. Somehow that made it even more dangerous than your standard rifle platform. It has a detachable magazine, which apparently is a feeding device that is too quick for reloading or holds too many rounds, according to the Fed, whatever that means. It had a barrel shroud, because uh, apparently you're supposed to keep your hand- well, your hands to burn off as you hold a uh, bare Blair- barrel. Now, the other thing that it did, oddly enough, was it banned the uh, bandit threaded barrels and any other device that made it uh, replicate a standard military firearm. So, how did the standard companies, such as Colt and the rest of the uh, the groups, take care of this? On the classic A2 front sight post, which this one does not have, the uh, A2 would actually be a triangular front sight where the gas system actually utilizes. Typically, there was a bayonet lug. Well, that was shaved off and filed down to keep compliant. They never threaded the barrel, so that was a, that was another thing they did to keep it compliant. And typically they would actually take the buttstock and utilize utilizing the pistol grip, take it and pretty much do this move to where the buttstock and the and the pistol grip were one in the same piece, aka thumbhole. All those allowed it to become compliant with federal law. And so they were still selling AR15s, just a different styling.
3: So it, it really wasn't a complete ban on AR-15s. They just banned this, some parts and pieces of it. So the cosmetics is what we're talking about. Yes, exactly. All right. All right. So we're talking, once again, just for those people, I, wanted, I want you to say it one more time. What exactly on the rifle you could not have? One more time. Pull it up one more time. Threaded barrel which is show the people.
6: So this would have a threaded barrel. However, this has a pin and weld job to keep it compliant with federal law. So okay. there's a pin and weld job on the threading itself. Okay. Next up, it could not have a magazine capacity of over 10 rounds. Mm, so okay. you could still have that detachable magazine. It was just the, there had to be a limiting plate for uh, t- that left it down to 10 or shorten down to 10 in general. So,
3: so let me think about that. So I couldn't have a 30-round mag. I had to have a 10-round mag. So that's actually better for the gun. You know why that's better for the gun? Because the more rounds you fire out a rifle, the hot it gets, and it can. there's a possibility of you me- melting the barrel. But if you allow the gun to cool off by changing magazines a little more often— and it becomes more efficient. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, thank you, government. So I can actually change out my magazines a little more, which allows the gun to cool off so I don't melt my barrel so that way the gun actually works better. Wonderful. Keep going.
6: The pistol grip was also another thing that had to be addressed and removed. And then the uh, buttstock either had to be firmly welded in place to the buffer tube or you had to have a fixed stock so the stock was not allowed to be adjustable.
3: Wonderful. Okay, so a lot of people have problems with their, you know, every once in a while, you know, the buttstock actually, you know, parts of it breaks, and so sometimes it moves back and forth sometimes and gets a little loose. But if you make me have a fixed buttstock, I won't have that problem. So with a fixed buttstock, I won't have the problem of it malfunctioning or anything breaking, and then it can actually is a little more firm, and I can hold it, and I can fire better. Wow. Once again, thank you, federal government. I appreciate that. Yep. <laughs> Well, I tell you, boy, your government working for you. They're making sure that you're safe, and I like that. You know, they mm-hmm. want to make sure you don't have those bad parts. They want to make sure that, you know, that you know you you have the uh, the short magazine so your rifle can cool off and it stays cool. They don't want you to you know have any breaking broken pieces or anything like that. Wonderful. I love my government. Go ahead. You do, huh? <laughs> Well, I'm telling you, I, you know, they're looking out for us. Let me tell you, they're looking out for us. <laughs> all right, so what
6: else? So that was pretty much what happened. They um also banned certain imported firearms at the time, uh, specific, some of the Chinese stuff and all that good, uh, all those firearms. So what would happen is you would get the Sporters. You would have thumbhole stocks on your Fowls or your L1A1s, which were the Fowl clones made in Britain and whatnot, so certain firearms did end up having uh, certain attachments removed and swapped over to maintain compliance. So your Saiga, specifically your Saiga 12-gauge shotgun clones, or actual shotguns, typically came in hunting platform with the standard, classic rifle stock, similar to what you'd see on an M1
3: Garand or a Ruger hunting rifle. Okay, and just for those that don't know out there, AR stands for Armor Light Rifle. You know, but I like to use it as saying, you know, you know, American rifle. That's what I like to say. It's you know, I like to say it's an American rifle, but actually it's an Armalite rifle. It does not stand for assault rifle or assault weapon. Assault is a verb. And you know what? Just in case you don't know, you know, go to pull up your dictionary. You know, that thing called Google, you know, Google it and pull up Google. And it, it, a verb, it, assault is a verb. It make a physical attack on, for example, he pleaded guilty to assaulting a police officer. That is a verb. Uh, physical attack, his imprisonment for an assault on the film director. That is a verb. That's a noun. Uh, a con- concerted attempt to do something demanding. A winter assault on Mount Everest. That is a noun. So depending on how you use it, it could be a verb. It could be a noun. But what it is not is something that kills someone. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Michael Cargill. And you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins, Bright Park News, and you're listening to
5: Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill.
2: Welcome back to Come and Talk It, and now here's Michael Cargill. All
3: right, so as soon as that press conference goes live, we will bring it to you. Uh, before that happens, check this out. So the 2021 assault weapons ban, let's take a look at that on what they were actually looking to ban in 2021, which is a possibility of what could be in this 2022 bill. So
6: here we go. A actually They actually define what they consider a semi-auto assault weapon. They actually literally say in the reading, semi-auto assault weapon, and it's regardless of country, of manufacture, or caliber. A semi-automatic rifle that, one, has the capacity to utilize a magazine that is not a fixed magazine, therefore a detachable magazine like the rifle I currently own. A pistol grip, a forward grip, which mine does have, therefore... uh. Mine would be considered one of these. A folding, telescoping, or detachable stock that is otherwise foldable or adjustable that we can operate and to reduce length, size, or any other dimension of the firearm. So let's see what else they offer. Um, a grenade launcher, a barrel shroud, aka handguard, which is standard on every single rifle, including your hunting stock rifles. The handguard being the fore end where you hold the thing, where you're not holding onto the barrel. Thank you. Uh, threaded barrel, which almost every single firearm these days has. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, um, if your firearm does have, or your semi-automatic rifle does happen to have a fixed magazine, it cannot have the capacity to accept more than 10 rounds unless it is a tubular device utilizing 22 long rifle only.
3: <laughs> All right. And what else?
6: Okay, they go on to say semi-automatic pistol that does not utilize a fixed magazine. It will not be allowed to have a threaded barrel, a second pistol grip, a barrel shroud, the capacity to hold or accept a detachable magazine at some location outside the pistol grip. So they do not allow for a firearm, a handgun now, to use a pistol, a uh, magazine that comes up ahead of the trigger guard or behind the trigger guard it must go inside the pistol, the grip that you hold itself let's see what else do they do oh it cannot be a semi automatic version of an automatic firearm so anybody with an M950 Calico with the 50 round drum fed pistol that was designed after the 950 Calico firearm that was used to be a fully automatic design those are now banned <laughs> Oh, here we go. We keep going. Oh, they all uh, do the semi automatic shotgun now. So, for semi auto shotguns, you cannot, you must have a fixed magazine in order to keep it. It cannot have a pistol or it cannot have a folding, telescoping, or detachable stock. I am sorry, you people who love your Spaz 12s. Those are now considered on roster uh, for guarding this ban. Uh, it cannot have, it has to have a mixed magazine with a capacity that can only accept five rounds. Therefore, your uh, M10-14s, your, M, uh, your M4 Benelli's, your ni- Mossberg 930s, your 940s are all considered illegal under this ban, which has not gone through yet. Please keep this in mind. Uh, let's see. What else do they do? Oh, the ability to attach, uh, accept a detachable magazine. That's your Saiga 12-gauge shotguns. That's your Chinese-manufactured clones of the Saiga 12-gauge shotguns. That's your AR-12-gauge shotguns. the Turkish ones that look like AR 15s, the VR 80s, all those.
4: Vepper hmm?
6: 12s? Yes, Vepper 12s. All those are now officially illegal. They also went after the Remington TAC 13 V3. So anything that has a pistol grip or bird's head grip, they just targeted all the Shockwave semi automatic sh- uh, shotguns that are shorter
3: than uh, 14 inches. And that's only if this actually they Sim- they write this bill the same way they did it in 2021. They write this bill the same way, and it gets passed by the House, the Senate, and the President signs it. So it's up to you to keep uh, this from happening. That's right. You got to contact your elected official. Contact your U.S. Senator, Con- contact your contact your congressman, congresswoman, and say, hey, this is this is not going to fly because you know the United States was founded on firearms. Uh, uh, back oh. in the 1800s, 1700s, you know, we had guns, and that's how we defended this nation and how we uh, ma- built this nation, uh, nation on firearms. Okay, so then they all start listing all the firearms involved with this ban.
6: Every AK imaginable, including the Palmetto State manufactured ones, your Izvash, your Izmash Saiga AKs, your Mahdi AK-47s in arms, your narinko's your Polytechs, your SKS uh, rifles that utilize a detachable magazine, all ARs, not just certain ones, every single AR, including the following, AR-10, AR-15, Alexander Arms, they start actually listing every manufacturer they can think of. And the list is about five miles long of that. They then go into uh Barrett. M one zero seven A one. I am sorry, uh, Mister. One of our wonderful customers who I will not who I remain non anonymous. Uh, yes, your fifty cal will be considered illegal under the ban. The Barrett M eighty two A one. The Beretta CX four Storm also falls under the ban category. The set Sport or the Calico. Everyone who owns an FNFAL or FAF FN FAL clone. I'm sorry, you're going to have to give that girl up. <laughs> Same thing with the FNC. The 308 match, the L1A1 Sporter, your PS90s, your Scars, and your S2000s. They literally just told FN you can no longer sell some automatic rifles in America, mm. according to this ban.
3: Mm.
6: Let's see. Um,
0: oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Donald's asking if there's a uh, grandfather clause in there. There
6: is, and it gets weird. So, in order for you to be have this grandfathered in, it must be registered almost like an NFA item. It must be securely stored, whatever the heck that means. I don't know how they're going to figure out what securely stored is or how they're going to even determine if the firearm is securely stored. No, my house is not available for search. No, thank you. You can tell me that uh, you need to search my house, and I'll tell you uh, I need to do a level 4 plate check. Anyway. Uh, or you permanently disable the firearm. So you must render that firearm inoperable either by cementing the barrel, removing certain components that render it inoperable that cannot be replaced. So you must weld the sucker together almost like a block of steel. Mm. So that's the only way. Let's keep going with the uh, band of firearms because they get even crazier. They go after high point. The high point carbine is actually on the list. Mm,
3: that may not be a bad thing.
6: Uh, the tom- <laughs> all- oh wait, all your Thompson sub, all your Thompson uh, Tommy gun clones or Tommy guns, the current ones that are in production, mm-hmm. every single one, both pistol and rifle, are targeted. Mm. Mm-hmm. They go after Scorpion pistols, the CZ Scorpions. They target the uh, every single AK pistol they can think of. They even look at this Kel-Tec uh, Kel- and say, your sub-2000s, your SU-16s, and your RFBs and RDBs are no longer available for manufacture to the public. Hmm. All your, Almost all your SIGs, like your uh, AMTs, your p 5 uh, five sevens, your SIG MCXs, your MPXs, your Rattlers are all on this list. Mm, mm, mm. Every single one of them. All your Uzis are on the list. All your, uh, let's see, for pistols. Let's see, we keep, uh, let's go down this roster for pistols now. That's, the, that's the, the kitchen sink. They go after, oh, your MP5 clones that are starting to pop up from Turkey those wonderful MP5 clones, every single one of those plus the original HK MP5 clones are on list. All your Daniel Defense rifles, all your Kewa M4 pistol uh, pistol firearms, your uh, DS arms, those are your FAL clones all banned. Your PLR 16 by kel banned, your P50 by kel banned. Oh, um the mini the uh so all your MAC 10s and MAC 11s, all those not considered legal to own. Mm. Uh, the Site Spectre, the 5.56 pistol, V MAC, AUG, all, all your bull pups are now no longer on market.
3: Mm. Mm. All right. So, um, man, I, I, and that we're going to come back to that, but I want to tell you this. Um, we are going to Uvalde right now. Uh, there's a press conference that's happening right now in Uvalde. Uvalde.
8: Okay. the House Committee on the Robb Elementary shooting will now come to order. Clerk, call the roll.
7: Representative Burroughs? Here. Representative Moody? Present. Justice Guzman? Here. Quorum is present.
8: Okay. a quorum is present. First, let me say this. Uh, If you're going to ask a question today and you were not able to fill out a uh, witness um, affirmation form, a WAF, you can still ask your question. Just send an email to Paige, and she'll get it to you. And that should not be a reason why you cannot answer. Uh, what I would like to do today is start with this. If there's only one thing that I can tell you is there were multiple systemic failures. I would invite everybody to read the entire report. You cannot cherry-pick one sentence and use it to say everything without reading it all together and with context. But if we need a simple phrase to describe what the report says, again, I would tell you multiple systemic failures. I want to first thank the mayor of Uvalde for having hosting a meeting today with several of the families and asking for us to come by and attend. And I thought that was the respectful thing to do. I thought it was respectful to at least let them hear from me Before we open this up to a broader public discussion, I look forward to the questions here at the press conference. Um, One of the things that I said in there to the families is we want to show them as much respect as possible. The entire time this committee has been together, we have wanted to show them the much respect possible, and we've tried to do that. And I asked them if there was something we've ever done not respectful to let us know what it is. But I told them the most we can do to be respectful at this point is not to just blame one person or one thing. And I hope that the report, when people read all of it together, they understand that we look and take a broad approach to what happened that day. My biggest fear, and I also shared this with them at the meeting, is that we will look for simple solutions to these complex answers. And we will all look and say, well, you know, that's the way it was in Uvalde, it's different here. Well, let me tell you. The people of Uvalde before this, they felt it couldn't happen here. They felt that. That's the false sense of security I worry about. I think some of the same systems that we found here that failed that day are across the entire state and country. And I do not want to say because of one thing or one person here, it could not happen elsewhere. I think that's a disservice and not the respectful thing to do. This committee was created by Speaker Dave Phelan. And I'm so appreciated he did this. He formed this committee just 44 days ago. And I believe this committee has driven things to the forefront. I believe that because of this committee's work, some of the records have already been changed, and hopefully with this report, a lot of the record is set straight. This committee is a fact-finding committee. Our job was essentially to figure out what the facts were and report it. It's a bipartisan committee, and the reason it's bipartisan is because the problems are not Republican problems, they're not Democrat problems, they're all of our problems. So I'm very proud the Speaker made this a bipartisan committee. There are other committees in the Texas House and Texas Senate that will look at this report, look at the facts that we found here, and discuss and debate the policy that needs to be changed to try to make Texas children safer going forward in the future. I'm a policymaker. My colleagues up here are policymakers or have strong opinions about changes to policy that need to be done. Today is not the day that we're going to share what our strong feelings and convictions are about that. That was not the task of finding the facts. After some period of time, we will put our policymaker hats back on and share those opinions with the committee and others about what we think needs to change and what's done. But right now, we're going to let the report speak for itself and focus on the facts that were found in there. The committee met with more than 35 witnesses. Those were done in an executive session. That is the precedent of the House in the past and will likely be the precedent of the House going forward. Being an executive session, meaning the people and witnesses who attended, did not have the cameras on them and did not testify for the public at large to hear. We believe that that probably allowed us to get their testimony quicker and also they were more candid and more conversational, allowing us to do our job more accurately. Other committees in the state of Texas do have subpoena power and will have the opportunity to subpoena those witnesses for you all to hear what they have to say for themselves. But that is the precedent of the House for an investigative committee to do this in executive session, which is what we did. In addition to the 35 witnesses that we interviewed, there were 39 independent interviews that our investigators who did a phenomenal job held to help us. We reviewed crime scene photos, audio and video from the incident, 911 calls. All of that went into trying to get this report compiled in 44 days so that we could deliver this here to you, Valdi, and hopefully you will find this reflective of the facts that we basically could get to. Let me tell you a little bit about the report. We talk about the Valley Consolidated Independent School District. And let me say this, with hindsight, we can say the Robb Elementary was not adequately prepared for the risk of a school shooter. The school's five-foot fence was inadequate. Despite a policy of locked doors, there was a regrettable culture of non-compliance. In fact, all three exterior doors to the building were unlocked that day, and multiple interior doors were not secured the day of the shooting. When I talked about the false sense of security, I do not believe that Uvalde Consolidated or Rob Elementary is the only school with these issues in it. I've talked to enough other educators around the state to believe this is a wider problem that we need to continue to look at. We discussed the attacker. You will first notice, we did not use his name. When we wanted to release the hallway video to the members of the families and the public, we were not going to show his image. He wanted that and he did not deserve it. He did not deserve to be, have that recognition of his face or his name shown because it's what he wanted. Also there are cultures online who look and believe that when they see these videos there's something to be inspired by. We did not want others to look at these videos and to watch it and be inspired by it. We only wanted to show the law enforcement response. However, we did give you a more comprehensive look at the background of the attacker. We refer to him that throughout the report, because that's how he refers to by the alert training. He fits the profile of many. He came from a broken home with little to no no interaction with his father. He struggled in school, both academically and socially. He struggled to fit in and eventually became isolated. He networked through his peers, with his peers through social media, and violent video games, and ultimately had a fixation on school shootings and even developed the nickname "school shooter." We also talk in this report about the failures of law enforcement. There is really two categories to think about when we talk about this. There is an early decision to treat this as an active suitor versus a barricaded subject situation if you know and the training and standards we set for officers is if you know there's active shooting active killing going on or somebody is dying the standard is you have to continue to do something to stop that killing or stop that dying that day several officers in the hallway or in that building knew or should have known there was dying in that classroom. And they should have done more, acted with urgency. tried the door handles, try to go in through the windows, try to distract him, try to do something to address the situation. In fairness, there were many officers at that scene who were either denied access to the building, were told misinformation. Some were even told false information. Some were told the police chief of the Consolidated Independent School District was actually inside the room, actively negotiating with a suitor, such that they did not know what was happening. They did not have the opportunity to do that. But that's not where the analysis stops. Everyone who came on the scene talked about this being chaotic. The training suggests that that chaos should not happen. Inside the school, there should be a tactical commander, someone who's taking lead on dealing with the actual in the hallway, but there should also be an overall commander. Somebody who's an overall command, flowing the information, making sure everybody knows what is going on. The fact that there was no overall commander outside the building where there should have been one, should have been known by many. At a minimum, There was multiple opportunities, depending on the relative training and experience of law enforcement officers, to at least ask more questions or offer their guidance to try to remedy the chaotic situation and make sure there was effective overall command. There was a lack of effective overall command that day. I am going to recognize my colleagues for some brief statements,
7: and then we will answer the questions uh, here today. Representative Moody. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm Joe Moody, a Democrat from El Paso. I'm a former prosecutor. I've worked on issues like criminal law and mental health for my entire legislative career. And most importantly, I'm a father of three. And sadly, I've dealt with mass shootings before. In just two weeks, it'll be the third anniversary of the day a young man with a rifle murdered 23 people in El Paso. After that, we all kept asking why. Why did this happen to us? We're here today to provide some of those answers in Uvalde. And while this information will never make up for the unspeakable loss this community has endured, El Pasoans know how important it is to know. I also know the report we've given points to something very complex. It's hard to hear that there were multiple systemic failures because we want to tell ourselves that systems work. We want to tell ourselves there's one person we could point our fingers at. We want to tell ourselves that this won't happen again. That's just not true. What happened here is complicated. But there's also a call to action in this report because systems are something that we can and must improve. I see the report as a baseline of information that we can all work from. So often these days, politics starts with the answer and doesn't even care about the facts. Here, we're starting with the facts, the most thorough, reliable report that's been done on what happened at Robb Elementary. There's more to do, but this report is a shared platform for us to work from together. The shootings in Uvalde and El Paso have important differences. So do Midland Odessa and Sutherland Springs and Santa Fe and on and on. But they also have important similarities that we can understand and address as a state. Although today isn't the day for that discussion, that's what this report can and must lead to. I made a promise to the people of El Paso that I haven't forgotten and that I will never forget. To do everything in my power to make sure the legislature understands what happened and why and to fight for the solutions that we deserve, I make that same promise here today in Uvalde. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
8: Thank you, Representative Moody. Justice Guzman.
0: Good afternoon. I'm Eva Guzman. I'm a former Texas Supreme Court judge, and I'm the public member of this committee. For the past several weeks, we have traveled to Uvalde and to take testimony to hear firsthand what took place and in pursuit of the truth. I did so, we did so at the request of Texas House Speaker Dave Phelan, who charged us with delivering answers to the families who lost their loved ones and who seek to understand what happened that day. How could there be so many multiple systemic failures? As our state and our country mourn the tragic deaths at Robb Elementary, our committee unpacked the evidence to discover and report the facts. As a former judge, I spent much of my professional life ensuring that the facts I relied on to make decisions were accurate. I brought to this process that same determination. After all, accurate facts have to provide the backdrop for any policy changes that will come out of this. Throughout the investigative investigative process, our only agenda was to follow the facts and the evidence. As John Adams famously said, whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passion, they cannot alter the state of the facts and the evidence. That's where we placed our focus. There, we found the truth about what really happened at Robb Elementary that day. But we also found the reality of the breakdowns in procedures and protocols and processes, of the breakdowns and failures in judgment and decision-making that occurred before and during the tragedy. That truth, it's heavy and it's hard because it lays bare human failures and it makes us confront collapses in our systems They were supposed to work. They were supposed to protect the innocents who now lie in their graves. Today we stand before a community that's still gripped in grief. With this report, families who are crushed by sorrow and pain will now have desperately needed and deserved answers, but no report can heal the broken hearts. Only God can do that. Knowing the truth, we hope, will equip Texas lawmakers and leaders with information and knowledge that will guide them in deciding next steps. We hope the truth about this tragedy will also give this community the resolve to forge a path forward. I come here with humility and respect, and I am here for you, for the people of Uvalde.
3: All right, so we just heard from the Texas House Committee investigating the Robb Elementary School shooting. We heard from Representative Dustin Burrows. He was the chair of the committee. Representative Joe Moody, the vice chair of the committee. And Judge Ava Guzman, she was a former Texas Supreme Court justice. We heard the key takeaways in that is that Rob Elementary School responders failed to adhere to their active shooter training, and they failed to prioritize saving innocent lives over their own safety. The gunman fired approximately 142 rounds inside the building, and it is also almost certain that at least 100 shots came before any officers entered. According to the report, according to the report, 376 law enforcement officers mass at the school. The overwhelming majority of those who responded were federal and state law enforcement officers. We come back from the break and talk about this and more. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to come and talk it. This is Chloe on Noir, And you're listening to come and talk it with Michael Cargill.
2: Welcome back to Come and Talk It, and now here's Michael Cargill. All
3: right, so we're coming back, and we're talking about the Uvalde uh, shooting at Robb Elementary School. we got some breaking news coming out of Uvalde. Not only did we just hear the press conference from the committee, the Uvalde mayor says acting city police chief on day of school massacre has been placed on leave after the report finds wide failures. All right, so that's coming out of Uvalde just right while the committee was speaking that was breaking you know from that conference all right so let's go back to talk about this assault weapons ban so there's some items they didn't there that are not included on this 2021 bill which could be the same bill as 2022
6: so the way this works is these are exempted firearms and the list is a doozy You're still allowed to have your SKS as long as it has the original wooden stock. You're allowed to have your old M1 Garand as long as it has its original wooden stock. All your bolt action, uh, pump action, and lever action guns are all legal. Which means my wonderful Mossberg 500, which, yes, a lot of people know me as, dog because of this. I'm just going to bring her on out. This is the Persuader model with the Breacher Barrel. This is still legal under the new law, if it were put into place. Law enforcement use this particular model for breaching doors. by the way. They stick the breacher section right up against the door
3: frame, pull first shot, pull second shot in the bottom one, kick that door in. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite home defense rifle there. I use one of those inside the house, and my, my, mine is actually a little more is a little sharper than that.
6: Oh, and it gets better. So they also authorize the ownership of the Mini 14 without a stop, without a pistol grip and folding stock. Mm. Which means you can literally, if you wanted to, recreate Miami Dade if the FBI decides to kick your door in to try to figure out if you're doing the safe
3: storage system. So that So they didn't ban that rifle. They only they're only focused on other things. Huh? They're
6: only focused on pistol grips. They're only focused on detachable magazines. They're only focused on any kind of handguard that is detachable from the firearm or interchangeable with the firearm. Wow. Now, they also go after any kind of uh, parts kits that allow you to build one of these. So mm-hmm. you are no longer authorized to own or possess or manufacture any firearm post this uh, ban coming into effect unless you are law enforcement or military or federal agency.
3: Wow. I tell you, we you know what? And we also got some news coming out of, let's see. Texas, Travis County, right here at home. Oh, boy. Yeah, check this out. So a Texas mother has sued Academy after selling daughter the gun she used in her suicide. So a Texas mother filed a civil lawsuit in Travis County against Academy Sports and Outdoors for selling a gun to her daughter on July the 2nd in Austin. And the gun was subs- subs- uh, subsequently <laughs> was actually used by the daughter in her suicide. There we go, because I couldn't say the word. Go ahead, say it. Supic.: That's <laughs> it, you missed them too. Suspakstin. Okay. There we go. Allegedly. Uh, subsequently. subsequently Allegedly. Thank you, producer. <laughs> All right. So the court documents what? said the daughter <laughs> struggled <laughs> struggled with bipolar and general anxiety disorder. And Academy never should have sold her the firearm and ammunition, according to the family, given the condition in which she presented that Friday night, intended to purchase a firearm even after the story closed. The lawsuit said KXCN um, did this story. And so they did reach out to Academy and outdoors. Um, and of course, Academy is not going to make any statements, or, you know, to deal you know, to this measure. Uh, so the court records uh, said that the mother is suing for negligence, negligent hiring, training and supervision, negligent entrustment and gross negligence. Um, the lawsuit also requested evidence pertaining to the case to be res- preserved. The request included statements, sur- surveillance tapes, audio tapes, business records, investigation reports, and any other electronic image or information related to the incident. And I'm just curious. Uh, I, my question to the family is how is the store clerk, the store clerk. You know whether it's Home Depot, if a person walked into the store to buy any other tool, or you know the grocery store, you know to buy some chemicals or something like that, or you know the academy, you know the gun store. How is that clerk supposed to know something's wrong with your daughter if they're not if they're not seeing anything? They're not. They're not displaying anything. It can be really
6: hard to judge somebody just within five. I mean, it can sometimes be really hard. You can hide so much from the general public. Yeah. It is
3: pretty. And if, if if it wasn't so if it, if this person was so bad um and to the point you know that it was that much of an issue then why didn't the family do something It seems to me that the mother is trying to blame academy for it's, her lack of action Mhm
6: yeah that uh, if it's that bad where you're that worried it's called a court ordered institutionalization which actually puts you on prohibition for
3: ownership All Right So don't don't blame the gun store you know, I I think she's really just upset. She's sad because she, as a mother, didn't do enough to you know maybe put her you know contact law enforcement, get her, her her daughter in the system, or get her some help or something like that, some counseling, or get her admitted into a facility against her will, so that way she would not pass a background check. Because unless you do that, the gun store is not going to know.
6: Yes, so. there is an actual. Uh- Questionnaire on that form that says, have you been adjudicated mentally uh, defective by court order? If you have been, which means a judge or a jury has put you into the crazy house against your will, you are no longer allowed to own a firearm or possess a firearm or purchase a
3: firearm from a federal licensed dealer. And that's going to be the responsibility of the family. You know something's wrong with your daughter, your son, your niece, your nephew, uh, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your class. Bravo! Uh, it's going to be up to you to make sure they're admitted into a facility against their will, so that way they can't pass a background check. The gun store is not going to know that if they're not if they're not displaying any you know any actions, they're not doing anything that will you know send out any type of alert, so that way the gun store will know something is wrong. You know, if you didn't do your job, then how in the world are you expecting the gun store to do theirs? Yeah, it takes a village, right? It takes a village to ra- – yeah, exactly. Oh, definitely. exactly, exactly. So, you know, and, and, and at some point, we have to start fighting back. You know, this is a sad – and don't get me wrong. This is a sad situation. You know, someone lost their life. Very sad. I feel sorry for the family. You know, but because of your inaction, do not blame that on the gun store. Because you didn't do your job as a mother. That's not the gun store's fault. Also, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about, let's see. Uh, let's talk about, not, there was a 911 call. Check this out. You got you guys have got to listen to this audio of this 911 call. Uh, I'm telling you, and this was out of, I don't know what city this was in. Don't know what state it was in. But this is a very peculiar 911 call. I want you to listen to it. Um, there's no profanity or anything like that. But it's, a, it's very detailed information. It, it shows how... You know, you you never know, you know, what situation you can wind yourself in while you're at home. And you always got to be prepared for the unknown. Take a listen to this.
5: Locked yourself in a room? I've got a big shotgun. I'm not going into Stop a tiny bathroom. Is he still banging? No, he's not banging, but he's walking around the house trying to find a way in. Oh, crap, he's at the back. Okay, County 13 is advising that you can defend your property if you need to. I don't want to have to kill this man, but I'll kill him Gray graveyard dead man. I understand. All right. You just stay on the line with me until you hear, until I'll we know I'll... what county officer's on scene. No, I will. I've turned off all the lights I can. Oh, crap, he's breaking in. He's breaking in now. He's breaking in now. He's breaking got in. A gun on him. Just, just. I if breaks the, the window, him. I'm going to kill him. He's walking across back and forth on the porch. He looks to be an older man. I don't want to kill him. I understand, ma'am. He's kicking the door. Please hurry. Hurry, not far out Please hurry. He's going to make it in. Please hurry, ma'am. Okay, I'm trying to find out where they're at. He's kicking the door. Please. Okay, they're they're on their way. They're getting straight out route too. Please hurry. Okay, stay with me. I think he's drunk. He doesn't know where his pickups at. God, I don't want to kill this Okay, man. okay, I understand. Oh dear God, ma'am. Just, just, just try to. I know it's hard to stay calm, ma'am. Just keep on the phone with me. I, I gotta, just gotta keep on the phone, darling. It's a big shotgun. It'll break my arm. As soon as you tell me they're here, I'm putting the safe back on this sucker. They need to hurry. He's gonna break this thing open. If he does, I'll have to kill him, ma'am. I don't want to kill him. I understand, ma'am. You have to protect yourself. I will. He keeps yelling, Pat. Oh, he's getting ready to break the window. Okay. He sounds drunk. Did you hear that? I can hear him yell, and I can't hear what he's saying. Oh, my God. The I'm trying to stay away from the windows. I in a
3: all right, um, man, that's, that, and there's there's a part two of that. We come back from the break. I want to listen to that part two because that's when the guy actually gets into the house. Uh, he breaks in, and she has to do what she has to do to defend herself. We come back for the break. Going to talk about that. I also want to talk about NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR star Bobby East was fatally stabbed at a California gas station. I want to talk about that. I also want to go to Florida. I want to talk about Philly. And I want to go to the city of brotherly love, see how much love is in Philly. <laughs> I also want to go back and break down this Evaldi uh, and talk about that a little more as well. So we come back from the break. We're going to talk about all those things. We're going to go around the world just a little bit, talk about some current events, break them down. And hopefully that, you know, we can make sure that you wake up tomorrow feeling a little more safe because you're prepared. Guess what? You know what today was? We had an awesome Stop the Bleed seminar. Yeah. Stop the mm. Bleed. We had, man, I had more people. I had How many people showed up? We had 31 people show up to this event. It's way too many. We come back from the break and I'll we'll talk about that and more. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Folks,
2: this is Doug Man Jones.
3: <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael
4: Cargill at Come and Talk It.
2: Welcome back to Come and Talk it and now here's Michael Cargill.
3: Boy, let me tell you, you're going to have to listen to the break on that one. You have to definitely go to the, your social media, pull up Facebook. Look, go to the YouTube page, right?
5: Yeah,
3: YouTube go the, page. Go YouTube. to the YouTube page and uh Go to the hour and eleven minute mark.
4: <laughs> right there,
3: <laughs> we got some things that you need to hear because you have God to be on. That. That's right. Praise exactly. the Lord and pass the ammunition. <laughs> and I'm telling you now, only on Sundays at Come and talking <laughs> All right, so man, there's there's a part two to this 911 call. Uh, this young lady, she tried everything. She tried to get the police there. She did exactly what she needed to do. She called 911, said, look, please, I need help. I need help now. I don't want to do this to this man. I don't want to shoot him. I don't want to use my gun. I want you to come in. You need to catch this guy and get him because if he comes in my house, I'm going to have to stop him. Stop him. Listen to this. The gun off safety.
5: He's uh, trying to kick the door. It's off safety, man. All i got is fire. He hasn't came through the door yet. OK, he's got a plastic chair. Thank God we don't have a big chair. He's got a plastic chair? Oh, he's got it. He brought out a here, ma'am. I'm putting some phone down. She hung up on me. He, he came through the window. He came through the door. He threw a chair through the door. I'm to tell me that she put the phone down and said she was put the gun on her. Ma'am, they yeah, got through the house. I'm going to shoot. Oh, God. Yes. Man? Hurry. Dear God, hurry. Okay. Not yet. Hurry. Man? Oh, my God. Man, is your phone recording? I shot him going out front. I hit him. She shot him. God help me. Okay. Stay on the I mean, line. She shot him. I need to get an up supper, too. Oh, please, dear God, I think I've killed him. Please, Father in heaven. No need,
3: for, me, uh, the- no need for, for police now. We just need to see them, the paramedics and the police. We got it all taken care of. And she did exactly what she's supposed to do. The very last option, you tried everything. She tried to contact the police. She hid in her house, and this, young, this man broke into her home in the middle of the night, used something to break into his house, and she did exactly what she needed to do to stop him. And that's how it's done. Also, NASCAR. Man, Gary, NASCAR. Did you see this story, NASCAR? Yeah, I saw it. Guy was stabbed to death at the gas station? At the gas station. Man, NASCAR superstar. You know, that NASCAR... almost
4: happened to me uh, a couple years ago, and it was uh, I believe this was a homeless guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That almost happened to me. That's uh, the first time I ever came on the radio, maybe the second time. Mm. Homeless guy pulled a knife
3: on me at the gas station. You can't play around with people like that. And knives are very serious. Yeah. Well, you, I would rather if, get
4: shot than get stabbed personally. If a person
3: stabs you in the right spot, you're dead in 40 seconds. Forty seconds. Forty you're, seconds. You're gone.
4: Did you learn that at Stop the Bleed? You're gone. That's Even right. Even with Stop the Bleed, there's
6: actually a video of some guy who got nailed in the neck with a fork, carotid artery, and you watch that uh, his his entire, almost entire bloodstream just goes all over the uh, floor of
3: wherever they were, and 30 seconds later, yeah. he's down. Yeah. And so what we did do uh, this today, as a matter of fact, on Sunday, we had a Stop the Bleed seminar. Uh, we, you know, we had a group of people, and usually we try to keep these classes at ten to fifteen size, uh, but you know, I, I can't turn people away. So instead of ten or fifteen, we had thirty-one people show up, and so we, you know, gave them a seminar on how to stop the bleed, whether it's stabbing, whether it's a gunshot, you're involved in a mass shooting, you know, no matter what it was, maybe you're out with the kids and something happened, they broke a leg. Um, maybe they got cut on something and you need to control the bleeding before paramedics arrived. So we, we, we did the seminar to show you how to stop that bleed. Uh, and you know, you can always, always come back to the gun store. We have these, uh, first aid packs that we're selling as well, because, uh, this stuff is very important. I want you, I want you to defend yourself. I want you to get a complete package. Like I told my. My firearm safety course today. I mean, today was a crazy day for us. You know, we had we had three classes. We had a a, a firearm safety course at eight o'clock in the morning, a fire safety safety course at at ten o'clock in the morning. We had a stop the bleed class at eleven thirty a.m. So it was a really crazy busy day. So you're talking we had a total of like fifty students, you know, filter through at different times in the gun store along with regular customers. You know, on a Sunday, all before one o'clock in the afternoon. I like all,
6: these- I like to call my Sundays my gambling days. I'm usually the only one behind the counter. Either everything happens like today, where <laughs> there was just a revolving door of nonstop, nonstop. I was I was head down working, or it's a nothing day where I'm just standing around going, um, um. Wonder what's on Gunbroker.
3: Wait, why did I get broke all of a sudden? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So it, you know, and and. And I was glad because we're we're able <laughs> to provide this complete package to people. You know, teach you gun safety. We teach you gun laws. We make sure you're proficient with the firearm. Teach you how to hold the gun, how to stand, how to effectively stop that threat. Well, here's, to here's take here's, to take apart and clean it. Go ahead. Here's Gary. my question. Well, if you're at a gas station and somebody's about to knife you, how how are
4: you supposed to safely shoot that attacker? Given that if you miss or if the bullet goes through the guy, you're hitting a gas pump and everybody's getting blown straight to the.
3: Uh, you we, know, afterlife. Well, you, you need to know what your threat is and what's behind that threat. We talk about well, that I, in class. What I'm saying is, what do you do then? What's what's your— Know your threat. What's behind that threat? You need to shift and move. Shift, 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 and, move. shift and move. Shift, move, move back move up. To, move to cover. You know, as you're moving, he, that person is shifting, and then you you know what their backstop is, and then you stop him, you drop him. Do we know why the guy stabbed this NASCAR driver anyways?
4: Cause so, because another thing I want to just—I just, just want to remind people— if uh, if somebody's acting crazy or whatever, it's not always your business. That's not always your your uh, your part to get involved because because
3: de-escalation and avoidance is also part of it is firearms mm-hmm. training. That's right. We talk about the conflict resolution skills of it, right. uh, how to calm situations down. So uh, currently uh, currently at this moment in time, no one knows why this was done. They don't know why this guy right. did this. You know, they're not sure. Uh, he's still on the loose. They're looking for him. Uh, the statement from the Westminster Police Department described the 6-foot-5-inch Millsap is his name. His name is Trent William no, Millsap. No, I think they shot him dead. Oh. I think
4: there was an update, like, is right it?
3: before we came uh, on the air. Yeah. Oh, we, we got to find that for him. real quick, Yeah, because uh, the transient and known-to-frequent Westminster, Garden Grove, and Anaheim Motels, pictures released by the department show Millsap covered with tattoos on his head, his face, his neck, his chest, his arms, and his hands. So, uh,
4: yes, from CNN. Okay, go uh, ahead. Man who allegedly fatally stabbed professional race car driver was killed in a police shooting.
6: Nice. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, that's taken care of.
4: (laughs) Well, justice was served.
3: F A F O is like what we That was a good one one five send off right there. F A F O. That's right. That's (laughs) That's right. right. F A F O and what was that? The one one five send-off. That's right. That's how it's done. All right, let's go to the next story. (laughs) Let's go to Florida. All around Florida. Wonderful, wonderful Florida. That's right. Like a Florida man. I'm telling you. Speaking of Florida
6: man, we actually had one of our uh, customers constantly put his current uh, residency as Florida. So he's officially gotten that nickname of Floridian.
3: You can can try to get away from Florida, but Florida will never get away from you. (laughs) All right, so uh, a Florida homeowner, uh, (laughs) let me tell you, will absolutely- Absolutely not face charges after firing an AK-47 style gun at a suspect home invaders, according to the local sheriff. He started shooting for his own protection to get them out of his house and to protect himself, according to Escampia County Sheriff uh, Chip Simmons, Said now, he, of the a recent shooting in the video address posted uh, to their web, their Facebook page. I
4: was going to say, it's, uh, it's always great when the sheriff says he will absolutely not face charges. Strong stance, strong statement. And it shows everybody else that if somebody breaks into your house, you can shoot them dead. (laughs) Or you can use as many rounds as necessary to
6: either stop the threat or get them out of the house. There's
4: been more and more sheriffs uh, saying things like that lately because it's, uh, you know, in places like Massachusetts and New York and and certain areas in California, if you shoot somebody that breaks into your house, you're almost more liable to go to jail than they are. (laughs) So it's good to send that message. As a matter of fact, a couple of the, uh, my California friends actually have said it is deadlier
6: to have it is more dangerous to have that license to carry when it comes to court because they will actually see that not as a license to carry and defend yourself. They will see that as a license to kill and try to use it against yeah, you. Yeah, they'll be harsher. They'll throw the book at somebody. you. Yeah, exactly.
3: All right, this next story has a, true. has like looks like a video to it or something like that, I I think. What are we looking at here? Uh, so this is a Philadelphia story. Uh, oh. Philly, you know, city of brotherly love. Not so much. Yeah, boy, not this day. You're going to learn right now. You're going to learn today. So a 14-year-old female Philadelphia teenager has become the second to face a murder charge after a 73-year-old man was beaten to death with a traffic cone. The girl, identified by the Philadelphia Police Department as Gamara Mosley, was charged with third-degree murder and criminal conspiracy in the June 24th killing of James Lambert. Another 14-year-old teenager, Richard Jones, uh, already faces the same charges after being arrested Monday, according to the police. Yeah, and the,
4: the, one of the third person that was involved who turned themselves in with uh, this girl was 12, I believe, and she was released without being charged. Mm. Uh, i don't what? think she actually i think she was just there 14 years old but if you're 12 years old and you're there and you're you're part of this but you're not actually doing anything i mean do you really have like the are you coherent and, enough to and know in
3: some thing? states you know they're like i hey, guess it
4: depends you're 14 there... is definitely uh the borderline for that but nonetheless they killed an old man it's th- this is wild i mean uh, how how, does, how do you yeah what in this video it's children L- literally yeah children 12, t- one of them, I think one of the other kids that was there was 10 years old or something I'd
3: say like prosecute them.
6: Every single one of them to the fullest extent, and I don't care that they're
3: kids. I want them charged as adults. That's right. Take well, their, yeah. Take their life, They think. For murder, definitely charges Absolutely. an adult. All right. As always, I like to say more guns equals less crime. So you go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill.